You are Locked On Mavericks, your daily podcast on the Dallas Mavericks. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. This is going to be huge. 360 in the contract, never that. I just take the contact, I'll bring it back. I'm running on the fast break, behind the back. Yeah, this, that, this, that, this, that. Dirk with the Mavs. Welcome. You are locked on to the Dallas Mavericks. My name is Nick Engstead, media member at MavsMoneyBall.com, and I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, writer at Mavs.com, and lover of Steve Nash. Getting nasty with it. What you got for me, Isaac Harris? It's about to get nasty. Um, the preseason schedule is announced for the Mavericks. Ooh, literally just came out right before we hit record. Yes. First game, the Beijing Ducks. Yes. Quack, 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 quack. quack, quack. quack. Quack, 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 quack. Oh, yeah, the Mighty Ducks are coming to town. Super excited about that. That'll be cool. Man, I'm going to wish I was in Dallas so much for this season. It's fun, Nick. You're enjoying the beach. I am enjoying the beach. The beach has been awesome. <laughs> and there's a chance I'll come back, so we'll see. If you were in, like, I don't know, Nebraska. Yeah, I Furniture like, Mart? <laughs> no. Um, <laughs> if you are in, like, Nebraska or something, I'd be like, uh, Nick, yeah. That's kind of sucks, but you got you got, the, you got the beach, so you're good. I have that. Yeah, every time I get sad about not seeing Luca in person, I'll just I'll go to the beach. <laughs> go to the beach. <laughs> I just look across the waves to the horizon. I'll say, "Bring me that horizon," like Jack Sparrow. So, okay, it was the first game, September 29th, Beijing Ducks in Dallas. In Dallas, so that's a home, a literal home game, <laughs> and then. You have the uh, the two games in China that we already knew about Phil- against Philadelphia, uh, October eighth and o- October October fifth and October eighth, uh, <laughs> all times in Central Time, six thirty a.m. and seven a.m. Yeah, so, who's, who's get getting up, up for that? Get up, <laughs> <laughs> man. Uh, tweet us, tweet us at Locked On Mavs. Tweet me at Nick Van Exit. Tweet him. At Isaac L. Harris, if you will get up and watch those. Like, literally, the, the only people that would get up are the day ones, and the Raccoon Squad would get up for those games. Like, I can't imagine any other Mavs fan that exists that would get up for those games that don't, already, that don't like, listen to this podcast. Like, the Venn diagram for that is a round circle. <laughs> <laughs> that is very true. There, there will not be many people getting up for that. But And they're both on NBA TV, by the way. I think that was new that we didn't know before. Oh, that's cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I didn't know that. Yeah, and then uh, then we already knew about the Charlotte game, October twelfth against Charlotte, six p.m. in Dallas. Uh, that was on Fox Sports Southwest. So there you go, four games, and that's exactly <laughs> that's, that's how long preseason should be. Really, you give those training camp guys four games to show themselves. If they don't do enough for you, then then you just move on from them, and boom, here we go. <laughs> yeah, yep. I mean, four games, but I mean, the, it it's centered around the China trip. I mean, there's only two teams that go to China. Um, for the past multiple years. So in Dallas, one of them, that's obviously a massive trip for the whole organization and yeah. families and players and everybody going over there. And there's a lot of beat NBA writers. Respons- beat writers. Beat writers. There's a lot of uh, NBA responsibilities that are over there that they, you know, they take part in. You know, that this will be the craziest trivia of all time. What was the oh, first gosh. NBA, the first NBA action of Luka Doncic's career. What was who was the who was the <laughs> opponent? Well, 
It would be the Celtics. How? Because he played a preseason game with Real Madrid against the Celtics when he was 16 as years old. As a member old. of the Mavericks. Okay, okay, sure, sure, sure. As a as as an NBA player, yeah, it'll be against the Beijing Ducks. With <laughs> Ding Yingyuan at his side. Yes. Ding. <laughs> so there you go. That's the preseason schedule. We're, uh, we're excited for it because we watch all the games, and I know you guys all watch the games, and so we're excited to see, like, you start playing it now, the schedule's starting to come out, and you're starting to plan your, you know, your life around it. <laughs> yeah, for real. I mean, looking at, just already looking at schedule stuff and calendar stuff. and Yeah, like you got to put on your schedule, 6.30 a.m., <laughs> Friday, October 5th. So, some people... I'll, I'll probably be people, up with my baby. <laughs> I was going to say, some people, you can get up before work and watch that game. That's true. That's pretty yeah. cool. That's pretty good. Yeah. And then Monday, that 7 a.m. Monday game is kind of weird. I don't know about that. Uh, and China is a, a day ahead, so those games are on Thursday and Sunday. <laughs> or no, no, they'd be on Saturday and Tuesday over there. That is true. That's wild. <laughs> Just, like, try to think about that. They're in the future. <laughs> so, all right, today we're what we're getting to is continuing our What If series. We are doing the big one. This is To me, this is the biggest one. The Steve Nash, what if Steve Nash had stayed with the team, had signed with the team in 2004, that offseason. We'll talk all about that. We'll continue to do the same kind of format like we've been doing. We'll We'll give you all the context. We'll give you everything that we know about it. And then we'll talk about the ripple effects, like who this affected, you know, the Suns, the Mavericks, you know, all that kind of stuff. What the, what it will look like? There are like there's title implications for this. There's you know, 2000. Yeah. There's definitely 2006 implications on this. Uh, yeah. There's a lot of stuff. So, um, so yeah, let's get into it. This it was so interesting starting to do research on this. And realizing where Steve Nash was as a player at that point in his career. Because you're talking about 2000 and... uh, Okay, so when Cuban first bought the team, it was in 2000. And he describes Steve Nash as an often injured, unproven point guard of a team that hadn't been at the playoffs in 10 years with a brand new long-term contract. So the Mavericks had, had gotten him from the Suns. Steve Nash was with the Suns for two years. Brought him over and... uh he played. He had been playing for about four years in the league at that point when Cuban bought the team, and he only averaged 59 games a year. He was just injured all the time. He only played in the two years he played for the Mavericks when Cuban bought the team. He had only played 96 out of 164 games. Wow. Okay, yeah, that's a lot. So that's not even. That's not a lot. Uh, which to me, if you just look at those numbers like that, and like he showed promise. You know, you you'd seen he was always super efficient shooting the ball. You know, he would get, you know, assists and everything. But uh, he's kind of like Chandler Parsons, really. Like, that's what this kept reminding me of. This whole situation kind of reminded me of Chandler Parsons. This guy that showed this promise but just couldn't stay on the court. And, you know, you had to make a decision whether you were going to stick with this guy, give him this long-term deal, or you are going to, you know, make a completely different decision and do something else uh, and let him go to maybe go to another team and then just get killed by it. You know what I mean? Like a decision to let Steve Nash go is, should be killing a franchise. <laughs> it didn't for the Mavericks, but uh, so so Steve Nash wasn't like this all this. He wasn't like this, you know, incredibly, you know, he was good. Don't undersell him, Nick. At the point when Cuban bought the team. So, like, when they first oh, okay, were starting okay. to talk about this, you know, him, like, extending him and all this stuff. He had this big contract. And Cuban said, this is in 2000, we explored several deals that included Steve. In every single case, no team wanted Steve in his contract. 
Hmm. That's wild. Like no team wanted to, to take on Steve Nash. He was pretty much looked at as like a salary dump. He had this this long term deal. It was five years, twenty eight point five million. Wow, Ooh. so much money. <laughs> <laughs> Gosh, that's that's nothing. That's like five million a year. That's like what year was that? I actually still have the tab open for what the what year was that? When he signed, I think it was like ninety eight. So he came in the league okay. in ninety six. Salary cap at that point was thirty million. Gosh. <laughs> in 97 98 season. Isn't there there's going to be like 10 players that make more than that this year? Just yeah. like one player. That's that's so wild. And the salary cap was a big was a big deal back then uh for Cuban and them making this decision because they were looking at the TV money and when they were when they were going to make the decision for Nash in 2004 the uh, the TV money had gone down for like the first time in a long time, and so you're. And there's look- a new CBA coming, right? It's and really so- kind of funny when we look at it. If you look at our pod from Monday with the 2011 team, two of the biggest what ifs in Mavericks yeah, yeah, history is keeping, you know, well, no, keeping the team together in 2011, oh, yeah, yeah, sorry, and oh. Nash is focused on like two CBAs and how that played into money wise into Cuban's decision making with some things. It's so but wild. Keep on going. So, so Steve Nash was like 25 years old at that time, and then he played two years, two all-star teams, played 82 games in both years, and Cuban said Steve went from a player that was booed by Dallas fans as an overpaid failure to a two-time all-star loved by everybody who knows him or watches him. Just like this complete so, change. So talk to Jeff Skin Wade before we record this podcast. Shout out. And was literally, shout out to him, friend of the pod, awesome guy. But I was like, hey, I just want to throw things at you. I just want to get another opinion, another perspective on this Nash thing before we hit record. And he was telling about this Nash thing. He said, I don't think people realized back then how much his early days in Dallas, people like fans booed him. He's like, this dude was getting booed out of the arena at home. And he said, it was like depressing for him. And he told me this big long story about how he went into this bar in Lower Greenville and in Dallas and like Nash was in there and like no one knew who Nash was, but Nash was just with his like Canadian friends, um, which was, you know, Al and all that stuff that works for the Mets. But yeah, yeah. He was like, and he said, I was just like a fan and stuff back then. And he said, I remember I went up to Steve and I told him, Steve, like, you're a heck of a player. Don't let any of this like about like just go out there and play your game all this stuff. And he said Steve just like lit up and was like gave him like a halfway hug and like really appreciated it because he was like super down about it because so much stuff had was built around Steve coming to Dallas because I know we didn't talk about this at the very beginning. I don't want to like go all the way back, but one of the biggest days in franchise history is draft night in two thousand in nineteen ninety eight when they draft tractor trailer trade him for the ninth pick. In, which would be Dirk Nowitzki, and and with Tractor Trailer or with that in that deal, they get Pat Garrity, and they turn around the same exact night and send Pat Garrity and other things to get Steve Nash in Phoenix, and so they get Nash and Dirk the same same night, same day, uh, in that nineteen ninety eight offseason. It's wild, and it was like the new era of the Mavs. They like, got two MVPs in one night. <laughs> yeah, and it's wild, and and going like Skin and I talked about. Nash being wait, wait, Phoenix. Can we talk about how Steve, how Jeff Skin Wade single handedly turned around Steve Nash's career? <laughs> let's cred, let's cred, let's shut his skin on that. <laughs> Gave him that hug, and that hug is exactly what he needed to move yeah. on, to go on, to push through, to press in, and and be the two time MVP that he became. Because when 
So going back to like Nash was drafted in Phoenix in that 96, you know, and played two seasons in Phoenix in 96, 97. But Phoenix had Jason Kidd. So he, <laughs> he was behind Jason Kidd, and all they had heard about was this how good Steve Nash was in practice and how he was just roasting people like with like in practice stuff. But they're like, he's playing behind Jay Kidd though. Like the, you know, he's not going to get a shot and the whole tie and the closest person in this whole Steve Nash and Dallas and Phoenix and everything is freaking Donnie Nelson. (laughs) Donnie was with Phoenix back then working with Danny Ainge, who was with Phoenix back then, Jerry Colangelo and all those people. And Skin told me that the like the talk was that Ainge and Colangelo looked at Donnie and said, on draft night, make your pick. Make this draft pick for us. And he said, I'll bet my career on Steve Nash. And that's when Phoenix drafted Steve Nash. Even, Damn. You know, so that, that it started then, that relationship between Donnie and Steve. And uh, Donnie Nelson is a huge believer in Steve Nash. So since since those Phoenix days, then Donnie left Phoenix to go to Dallas to work for his dad in Dallas, and that's when they were like figuring out like, hey, how are we going to build this team for the future? And of course, Donnie's sitting there saying, "I drafted this kid, Steve Nash. Like, he is he is unbelievable in Phoenix, but he's behind Jason Kidd. I know who we need to go get to be our next." to be our our guy our point guard wild. you know for the team and obviously they went and did that and that you know skin tell me that whole story of donnie and donnie's relationship with phoenix and you know working for them before and then going to dallas and that making that trade happen in 1998 then you even fast forward in 2004 which we'll talk about later on in the podcast about that whole thing happening all over again between donnie's allegiances to the mavericks but also understanding his friends back in Phoenix too, offering this big deal to Nash in 2004. But anyway, keep on going with your timeline. Yeah, it's so wild how intertwined like Jason Kidd, Steve Nash, the Mavericks, and the Suns, like all that, all that yeah. kind of stuff, where they just like went back and forth and weaved in and out. And and Nash wasn't he wasn't as bad as Rondo as far as like shooting and like shot attempts and stuff in Phoenix. But when he first came to Dallas, this was an issue. Like those first couple of years in Dallas. Like I have it right in front of me, he was averaging seven shots and six shots a game. And Donnie, and he, well, in his, his he, first season, he with the, with the Mavericks, he shot thirty seven percent from the field. Yeah, so like, and you know, that's when fans were just booing him off the court, yeah. like even in Dallas. And he said it was it was a battle between Donnie and Steve. It was saying, "You have to shoot." Like in my offense, I need you to get buckets, and like you, like you got to shoot the ball. So like. Skin was joking around, and so I don't, I'm not, I don't want to say he's like serious about this, but like he was joking around. And by the way, I asked Skin if I could say any of this on the pod. He said, "Go for it." That's the reason, I, you know, I want you to share this stuff. So, but Skin was saying, Skin was saying on the pod of saying, or on our conversation of saying, "Hey, like Don joked around that he said he would find Steve if he didn't shoot the ball ten times a game." <laughs> and his, and first, his first, this is his shot attempts his first two seasons in dallas 7.9 attempts and 6.5 attempts yeah and then it shot up to 11.3 i was gonna say in 2011 (laughs) it shoots right up to 11 shots 2001 was when it shot up so yeah so there was a transition there that you know steve didn't get to dallas and just hit the ground running as this like star it took time just like it took time with dirk also like it took a little bit of time yeah and but eventually steve got the offense going and started shooting the ball more so 
Yeah, you look at Steve Nash. He's he's kind of the poster child for just wait and give a guy some time to try to figure out the league, right? Like, there's a lot of these players. Like, you look at like they're not the same kind of player, but you look at D'Angelo Russell, and so many people are just down and out on him. Like, oh, he's you know he's nothing, blah blah blah. And like Steve Nash averaged three points a game his first season and averaged like ten minutes. <laughs> and look, look how old Steve was in his rookie season. He's 22. Yeah, this is right the now. Cre- people would be like, oh, he's dropping. Yeah, he's dropping. Like we yeah. don't want any part of him. He's twenty two. Yeah, this is like the Chris Dunn thing too. Chris Dunn comes in, he's older and yeah. doesn't play well that first year. And that second year, he you know plays. He takes a while to figure out the league and figure out your place in the league. And Steve Nash comes out today. Like, how far does he drop in the draft because he's twenty two? Like, people were throwing that out about Mikael Bridges, and like, oh, I don't know about Mikael Bridges. Yeah. And like, Zaire Smith's what? I, you know, Zaire Smith's like what eighteen or nineteen, and it's like, okay, well, Mikael Bridges has three years on him, but cool like he might not have the career at all like people would honestly pass on steve nash right now if he came out in the draft because he's 22 but the thing is you you had to wait like five years before he became that mvp or the uh the all-star level kind of player yeah but if you knew if you knew that still even if you knew that he wouldn't be an all-star and be like very good until he was 26 27 years old you still take steve nash oh for sure oh definitely uh yeah, and the the difference between the, that rookie deal, the rookie deals, and the like their next deals were so big because the cap was so small. Like you going going from one million to five five and a half million was massive because you yeah. only had a thirty million dollar cap. But anyway, so continuing on with the timeline. Um, yeah, so Steve Nash becomes this all star level player. He finally you know reaches we thought reaches his potential. <laughs> you know later he continues and, and jumps that even more. But two two. All-star appearances, played 82 games twice. And the oft-injured thing was also huge for the Mavericks, too. His first season in Dallas, he played 40 games. The next season, 56, then 70. So he's kind of working his way back in, you know, full-time playing 82 games. And so um, before Nash's final year with Dallas, which was 2003-2004, the Mavericks offered him an extension, the four, the full six years, 12% raises. So, like, the amount that they could give him an extension. This happens a lot now where, where teams just will offer a guy an extension knowing that he's probably going to turn it down because he can get more yeah. money later. But they just offer This was it. coming off a Western Conference Finals loss. Yeah. And that's something to remember. Like, they were on the doorstep, and they lose in the Western Conference Finals. So they go into this next season saying – Okay, what what happens now? This was the that was the Western Conference Finals when Dirk got injured, right? Two thousand three. Yeah, yeah, I guess. Yeah, it would I be. think so. Um, yeah, Dirk didn't play the last like I think like three games or so of that. Um, so they they offer him this thing, knowing he's probably going to turn it down, and he turns it down. Then they say, "All right, we're not going to talk about extension or anything, any kind of contract stuff until the the season is over." So they don't talk about it literally at all the whole season. They go through all the whole season. And um, then after the season was done and they're able to offer him a contract, they offer him, this is so wild, (laughs) an all-star player that they knew was like this all-star player that they thought could get even better. Four years, nine million a year with the fifth year uh, half guaranteed. And then with incentive, like not incentive, it was only, it was guaranteed only if he played a certain amount. So pretty much like four years, 36 guaranteed, but like, Really, it was like five years, what, 40 years? Yeah, whatever that ends up being. So they offer him this deal. That deal seems so insane. Like, that's the deal Dwight Powell got, right? (laughs) Oh, gosh, don't say that. It is, though. Like, that's the same amount of money. Four years, nine mil a year. 
<laughs> Gosh. So, uh, and at this point in his career, Steve Nash was salary cap was forty three point eight million that year. Yeah. So you're still getting that's still about the same as a max now for, for a player that had played that amount. It's twenty five percent of the cap. That's the same. You know, be almost the same thing. Um. Mark Cuban says that Donnie Nelson wanted to offer him, wanted to offer Steve Nash 10 mil a year straight up for four years. So, so like you said about Donnie Nelson staking his whole career on Steve Nash, he's like, whatever you need to give him, like give, give him whatever. Yeah. And, uh, and so then what, so at, and also at this point, Steve Nash was 30 years old. And so you're looking at a point guard, not super athletic. And there was some health stuff around him too. Uh, yeah. About the health some st- things before and after games he would have to go through. Um, they they were aware of his like health stuff it wasn't chandler parsons level it wasn't that well obviously yeah 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 but like because i mean he was playing games and like i mean crap he played 70 82 82 the last three seasons right now so right yeah the chandler parsons scenario for me was just that first two those first two years when they were looking at you know like extending him yeah and so like they just looked at it and was like all right well he's 30 and really, I mean, Cuban's very open about it, saying, "I don't. We think at some point he is that is he will have injuries that will break him down in the near future." Yeah, and he's he's older now. He's thirty years old. Um, and if they gave him that full five year deal, that would take him into his thirty five year old you know season. And man, <laughs> like, uh, still sign me up for that because he. Gets, oh yeah, uh, he gets he five all star games. <laughs> five all stars, two MVPs. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> Almost, he got second in the in one of the in another MVP too. Remember that was the year Kobe won. That's true. That people also wanted to give it to Steve Nash. So yeah, definitely sign me up for that for, for you sure. Said people, people also want to give it to you. translate. You wanted to, you wanted Kobe to get. No, no, no. Kobe Did got. You it. want Kobe to get the Nash one of the Nash ones? Because that's an argument. Yeah, I don't know. I have to go back and look at those. I didn't. I don't think so. You're sad with Nash. For the no, I thought I thought Steve Nash was so good. I thought, and he made a team better than Kobe did. I thought. Yes, in 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 those MVP years for sure, because that was the that was when Kobe was like not making the playoffs and was averaging like thirty five a game, but he's you know <laughs> like this dude's just throwing up shots everywhere. And it's it's important to remember we're talking about negotiations now, but it's important to remember uh, you know right before that a week or two before that was the draft, and that's when they made the big trade to where they traded Antoine Jameson, which just had got had a ton of minutes. I love Antoine Jameson, Tar Heel baby. Um, but they traded Antoine Jameson for that draft, that high draft pick for Devin Harris. And they get this 21 year old Devin Harris and they're a huge believer in him, but they, they drafted Devin and I talked to Skin about this and Cuban talked about this in his blog thing Yeah, with every intention of him playing with Steve Nash, of him backing up Steve Nash. And like they, they, they also mentioned Marquise Daniels too, that they had as another backup. Like they, weird. they had three like point guards that they, it was kind of insurance. I mean, it was insurance for Steve Nash. Yeah. <laughs> insurance for Steve Nash, but he was very open that he like, they wanted them together. It, it, they did not like, or at least by Cuban and whatever conversation, like they did not draft Devin Harris with the intention of okay, well Nash is going to leave. Right. Every everyone thought Steve was coming back. Like that was that was one thing Skin made very clear to me that like everyone wanted Steve back and they thought it was going to happen because when it did, it wrecked everybody because Steve was not just on the court, but like Steve was 
it's like, I mean, nobody's like what Dirk is now to the Mavericks and how everybody loves him and the whole organization and media and teammates and everything. But it was like under right underneath that. Like everyone loved Steve. Like Steve was like their guy. Like he was the coolest, nicest guy that everyone loved, and he was a heck of a ball player too. So yeah, but anyway, keep on going. So then a lot of stuff happens. <laughs> um, the, you know, the negotiations were were crazy. There's all this back and forth about well, the, the Mavericks, you know, didn't get a chance to you know offer Steve Nash uh, after the Suns had offered him again. Like they didn't get a chance to rebuff all this stuff. Suns end up giving Bill Duffy's right there in the middle of all of it. Yeah, that Bill Duffy just came back up this past summer. <laughs> And, and it's, you know, when you read, you know, Nick and I was talking about this before, when you read uh, Cuban or, you know, when Cuban talks about Bill Duffy, it was, you know, very clear that they wasn't the biggest um, Bill Duffy fans back then. And that Bill ran this weird free agency and didn't give the Mavericks a complete huge, um, Cuban didn't think at the time that he was very fair to Dallas in the in the situation because Dallas did get the first meeting. That's when they talked about their whole, you know, offer and this is what we want to do, which was very weird because Donnie's like super close to Steve and Mark's close with him. I mean, you know, Mark talks about how he like he'd hung out with Steve a lot and all this different stuff. And so they make their offer and then literally Phoenix sends down the whole freaking organization, including which this is so weird, including twenty two year old Amari Stoudemire. <laughs> Like we're gonna send down our, you know, basically teenage guy, you know, kid, uh, <laughs> to help make a sales pitch too, and then that's when, you know, they make the call back, and really that was the decision. That was the, the focal point of the whole summer is when Bill Duffy and them call Dallas and say, this is, or Steve's talking to Cuban and says this is kind of what's on the table from Phoenix. I'm thinking about it. And then it was decision time for Dallas. Gosh. So when we come back, we'll talk about Steve Nash's contract he takes with the Suns, what the teams would have looked like with and without Steve Nash, and uh, what if Steve Nash had stayed. So the contract that the Suns offered to Steve Nash and that he ended up taking, six years, $65.6 million. With that, that six year was like a partial guarantee, same kind of thing that the Mavericks were going to give him. That was like massive. <laughs> that was such a huge, such a huge deal back then, and uh, the Mavericks just couldn't match it. Um, they could. This is true. They, they could have. They well could have matched it. There was no luxury tax back then either. That's what makes this. That's what makes this story so interesting. Is that there wouldn't have been huge penalties for them to do that. Like there is now. <laughs> yes. And you see, like we've talked about, like when we talked about 2011, how they had paid the luxury tax for 10 years. Cuban definitely <laughs> like overcompensated after this and was like, okay, we didn't pay, you know, the tax or whatever for Steve Nash. And now I'm going to just do it over and over and over and over again, <laughs> you know, like going the complete opposite direction. Yeah. I mean, this decision to to not match it i mean this is the one that like it, it was just dumb i mean i, I mean i you're going to take a different side on this ain't no, you? no no like uh, if you try to look at it from their side and i don't i don't think i agree i, I mean they obviously should have done it that that deal is 
a bargain for <laughs> two-time MVP. But yeah. you look at it from their side. You have this guy. He's 30 years old. He's had tons of health problems. He's like, it almost seems like every game he's barely hanging on. <laughs> you know, like one snapped ankle could just completely derail his He played season. 78 games, though. I know, but when you're talking about the things he has to do before and after, like they saw that. They were there and saw how much he had to work to keep him himself, you know, healthy for that long. And then, uh, so you see, you know, a guy like that, he's going to be 30 years old. The, you know, the salary cap, if, if we do this, we make this deal for all this money. This guy's making, you know, all this. This could completely hamstring us from adding anybody else to this team. And if he goes down, we're wasting Dirk's prime, right? Because they couldn't add anybody. So you have this guy and Steve Nash, injury prone, older, and would completely hard cap. It would completely, you know, hamstring them from adding anybody else if he ends up going down and has these injuries that they. They they bet on the injuries really, and it was really sad that they did that. Um, yeah, because you but had a two time all star. Oh, for sure. Like what? What else do you want? Like that's my thing. Like what else do you think you can? You had a a guy that had had been to two all star games on your roster. That yeah, he was thirty. He was best friends with Dirk. The organization loved him, and all this stuff trending in the right direction, like production wise. And you decide to cut bait on the possibility that the the betting that he is going to get hurt in the long run, and that <laughs> I just I mean it was just I mean at least Cuban has came out especially over the past like two to three years. You can find different articles to where people is asking what's your biggest mistake or biggest regret since owning the Mavericks, and he's been very open since then. I should have never left Steve Nash go. Yeah, and he shouldn't have. I mean that it would. Because after that, then it was like scram. Because you had that, th- those three. You had Dirk, and he was like twenty six, and, and I think Finley was just a year older than Nash at the time. He was thirty. You know, if they went into that next season together, you know, Finley would have been thirty one, Nash thirty, Dirk twenty six, and you could have kept that uh, together and going for the next couple of years. But even with that, even like we'll talk about the future of Finley in just a second. But like, you would have had. You would have had your your two thousands version of Stockton and Malone, in my opinion. Like seriously, like, like this is your that you would be pairing these two together for the next, you know, obviously better than Stockton Malone. Yeah, I mean, it could have been like because we'll we'll ask the actual question in a second. Like, what if he stayed? Like, how would it affect like Nash's career? But but yeah, I mean, like. Yeah, I mean it would have been that early two thousands version of that, and but whatever, we can keep. Going. It was a it was a massive fear based move for the Mavericks to not match that yes. deal. Yeah, it was very much fear based. And when they didn't, Skin was telling me how right after that there was like these international games, like some type of international tournament or something here in Dallas, and he said everybody from the Mavericks was at this thing, and he said I remember going to it. He said, dude, it was like a morgue. He said it was <laughs> everything was so depressed. Everyone was so down. Everyone was just so heartbroken over at Nash leaving. And Dirk, he said it, it like gutted Dirk and just everything with that. And it was a, it was a, I mean, it was, you can't undersell not just basketball ball wise, but like organizational wise, Nash, them deciding to let Nash go, or Cuban deciding for the most part. Can you imagine how good 
if like Nash and Dirk had played together for, I don't know, like, you know, 10 years, Can you imagine how good they would be? Like we see. So, the, okay. So let's transition to what if, let's, what let's if go. Nash yeah. Stayed. Let's go ahead and transition to that. Uh, that team Nash's last year, 52 wins, best offensive rating in the league, 26th in defensive rating. When you're starting Steve Nash and Dirk Nowitzki, you're not going to be very good defensively. <laughs> also, I don't care too much about that. Like that is a, like, as far as the, I don't care too much about the, the, the pairing of those two of saying, you know what? I don't know if it would have worked because those two are just, I'm just saying defensively, they're 26. They're the 26th rated defense in the league. Uh, they, but they're the best. I think you they're, but they're the best offense it. in the league for sure. That that totally makes up for it. Yeah, you could have made it for offensive wise. And who says over the next multiple years you don't find defenders around them? You don't find a Bruce Bowen type. You don't find yeah, a Tyson Chandler type. Like you don't find those guys that can. Because I've looked back at some articles the past few days of saying, you know, I'm just searching it. Like, what if Nash State and seeing different opinions? And I've seen, I've seen different bloggers, different people share. Well, you know, it wouldn't have worked because Nash and Dirk defensively was just a black hole, basically. I'm like. You can't say that, man. I just, I can't, I can't get on board with that. There's no one else. There's no other tandem like that in the league. <laughs> you know, like that's it's the ultimate. Okay, well, we can't stop you, but go ahead and try to stop us. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, and um, now, I can hear a thing of would Nash be as good as Phoenix? And this is where Skin and I were talking, and. You know, we can have different opinions on it, but like Skin was like, Nash doesn't become a two-time MVP in Dallas. And yeah, maybe. Yeah, maybe he wins one. You know, like. he said, and he and he was talking about, and I actually had it in my notes before we talked about it, just the fit that happened in the fit that happened in Phoenix, as far as with D'Antoni. joining joining Mike D'Antoni, joining these athletes, and we talked for a bit on Amari Stoudemire and just how much Amari meant to Nash and how unique. Amari was, you know, in his 21, 22 year old self coming out of, you know, high school and all that stuff. But Nash joining this offense that D'Antoni, the seven seconds or less, and just the crazy pace that, and he was talking about the athletes around him too, you know, of the Sean Marions, the Joe Johnson, the Quentin Richardson, you know, those guys surrounded them and they moved Amari to the five and played this fast paced system and all this stuff and it allowed Nash to be like, just this mega Nash. And would he have gotten the same thing in Dallas? It's different because another factor into all of this is Daddy Nelson is Nelly. And how Nelly was the coach. And you know, before you know, before they let go of Nash, Nelly was this you know, we talk about Donnie Nelson now, but his dad and Nelly, Nelly was this offensive like guru genius. And he Nash came in. Nash was like his guy. He loved Nash and all this stuff. And like him and him and Cuban like butted heads and stuff. But the moment Cuban and this was one of the biggest things when I asked when I asked um, Skin, I was like, what like what are something? I said, what is something that people really don't think about too much with the Nash situation? And he said, the moment Cuban decided not to bring Nash back, that was the beginning of the end for Nelly and Dallas. Like that wow. was. That was it because that was like kind of like their final thing. They were going through different things, and it was just you know a year later in 2005 that Nelly moved on. They brought in Avery Johnson, and some people you know they bring up to say, okay, well, 
Nelly was more offensive minded. They needed to become more defensive minded. They bring in Avery Johnson, who was you know more like that, and they end up getting to the finals and you know to face the Heat and Wade and Shaq and him. But the Nash thing affected Nelly too because if they kept Nash, if Nash stayed, who knows how long Nelly stays? You know, does Nelly stay for how much longer after that? And I'm a believer in Nelly, and I'm a believer that he would have made that work. Like. Not that that's like some hot take because it's Nash and Dirk and they're two of the greatest all-time players, but he would have made that offensive system and built the team around them to work. And it's so wild how these these teams like didn't even miss a beat when they when Nash was gone, right? Like they the three of the last years, the three last years with Nash, fifty-seven wins, sixty wins, fifty-two wins, and then without Nash. 58 wins, 60 wins, and then that 67-win season. Like, just picked up kind of right where they left off. Didn't really miss a beat. And um, I think the two moves after that, that summer, what happened? It's hard to imagine the team being, like, a ton better, you know, than, than like, those records. But uh, what's the move you're thinking of? Well, we don't know what they do to, like, help build the team after it. Because as soon as they don't bring Nash back, they make the trade the very next month in August. <clears throat> they make the trade. They trade Antoine Walker mm-hmm. because that last season where Nash was there, they're starting Antoine Walker with Dirk in the in the front court. They lose Nash and they say, "Hey, we need a new guard in our backcourt." So they trade Antoine Walker to Atlanta in this deal centered around Jason Terry. If Nash, <clears throat> if Nash is still there, they don't make that trade. Like Terry's not coming to Dallas at that point. Because they just drafted the Devin Harris thing happens either way because they wanted him to play with Nash. So right. that's out of the question. That happens. Devin's in Dallas, and that happened before the Nash thing happened. But the Terry thing was a reactionary thing based off Nash leaving. So Jason Terry doesn't come to Dallas at that point, and so you know obviously we know the long term implications of Jason Terry in Dallas and how long he stayed in Dallas and his role in getting to the finals uh, in the first run and then his his role in winning the finals in the second run. But then <clears throat> there's another trade that happens after that, uh, the trade for the trade for Eric Dampier and how they traded Christian Leitner. Uh, <laughs> Most people future. wouldn't want that trade to happen. And it's <laughs> well, <clears throat> they made this trade because they wanted a big that could battle against a Shaq and all this stuff. Yeah. What makes it even what makes it look even worse looking back on it is that summer is the summer that that Shaq went to Miami. So it took Lakers out of like the running as that like top team in the West um, to where you basically just had the Spurs, the juggernaut of the Spurs back then, um, setting on the throne at the top. But so like Shaq leaves that same offseason that Nash leaves. And you're like, dang! Like looking back on it, you're like, if Nash would have stayed, what about an what about that epic rivalry? Because I'm very confident that they would have been better if Nash would have stayed. And like a lot, like I wouldn't say like title better, but I think there would have been a bigger rivalry for those next, you know, in, before Powell comes to the Lakers. Yeah, there would have been this more big, a bigger rivalry between the, the Mavericks and the Spurs if Nash was still there. Oh, and sure. that would have been so much fun uh, to see in Western Conference Finals or you know second round or whatever it is. But does the Jason Terry happen? You know, trade happen? No, and I think most people agree with that. But the Dampier trade, I originally said, you know, that that probably still happens because like <clears throat> they probably still want a big dude, blah 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 blah. 
I, t- I run that by Skin. Skin tells absolutely that does not happen. He said mainly because Nelly doesn't. He didn't like centers who couldn't shoot. Like that's why he was playing Antoine Walker. He's like, I want guys on the court that can space the floor and they can all shoot. He said that's why going way back he start he started having Manute Bowl start shooting threes <laughs> because he wanted. He said so he pro- he he would have still stayed around and he and he probably he wouldn't want the Dampier trade to you know. And all that stuff too, because Dan Pierre obviously couldn't shoot for nothing. So, <clears throat> so it's interesting to see how that would have played out. But <laughs> yeah, uh, Basketball Reference says Antoine Walker played 14 percent of his minutes at center when he played for the Mavericks. Wow, <laughs> that's pretty wild. Six eight guy, you know, can handle the ball. Yeah, interesting. I think something else to look look at too is, or if we're like playing the speculatory thing of. You know what if Nash set and you know stayed? <clears throat> I think like, they would have had some like decent because I understand when people say okay, well Finley would have been thirty one, Nash would have been thirty, you know, and then Dirk's like twenty six, whatever. You you got kind of yeah, but we, we you still had Josh Howard who's twenty four years old, Marquise Daniels who's twenty four years old. You just drafted Devin Harris who's twenty one years old. So like you were forming a team, and like I love man those. I know it didn't result in like championships or anything, but I love those like Josh Howard, Marquise Daniel years. Like those, I love Josh Howard and all the like implementing those guys and seeing those guys grow and trying to get them to buy into being role players alongside of Nash and all and Dirk and stuff. That would have been a fun thing to see over the course of you know more seasons. <clears throat> my my one thing that I ask myself. What happens to the future of Michael Finley? Mm. And do you look, does Dallas look at it, if Nash stays, does Dallas look at it and say, Finley's 31 years old. This I know this is part of our big three or something. We have Josh Howard in the wings that is still in his lower 20s. Could we flip Michael fin- Finley for another piece or other pieces and let Josh Howard step into some sort of a Michael Finley role. Michael Finley, also a guy, well, he was traded from Phoenix to the Mavericks for Jason Kidd. <laughs> it's all this the Phoenix Dallas like two, weaving back and forth is interesting. Because like two years after that, Michael Finley leaves in free agency and signs with the San Antonio Spurs. Um, yeah, that, if, and your point earlier, if Steve Nash had stayed and the rivalry between the Spurs and the Mavericks was as big and as heated as it would have been, does he yeah. still sign there? I don't know. Yeah. Possibly. I don't know. know. It's possibly. Like, they could hate each other so much that he wouldn't want to go there. Who knows? And my last thing, if, if keep on pushing forward, another thing, four years into that Nash contract. So even if the con- even if the contract was five years and he was there for five years or six years like Phoenix, in the fourth year of that contract – Dallas made the trade to get Jason Kidd from New Jersey. So you have to say that they don't make the trade for Jason Kidd. No. If they match the offer from Phoenix to keep Steve Nash. And they so don't have Jason Terry. You wouldn't have Jason Terry and all that stuff. Now, would they still get to the finals against Wade and Shaq if Nash stayed? That's impossible to say, like yes or no. Because <laughs> so much. I get how people can say, no, that doesn't happen because Jason Terry played such a big role in that. Okay, well, Nash is in there, yeah, too. Yeah, well, so freaking like, Nash was really good. <laughs> exactly. So, yeah, 
I th- I like to say they do. I I like to say that they do in that. Something that's weird about that is, and I was looking at that final series, is you know who the third leading scorer was on that Miami Heat team with Shaq and Wade? Ooh, it was, uh, so Shaq and Wade, and was Antoine Walker on that team? Antoine Walker. What if he, would he have been on the Heat? He probably still would have been on the Mavericks. What, like... Because if they don't, they they traded him for Jason Terry. If they keep Nash, do they keep Walker? Does Walker help the Heat get to the finals and all that stuff? And now we're just going down too many rabbit holes at this point. That's what this podcast is all about: is rabbit holes. <laughs> that is very true. Very true. It's so wild. Jerry Stackhouse would have still been on uh, that team in 2004 if they kept, you know, if they if Nash stayed. And so. another point about Nash is his best years were still ahead of him at that point before, they, you know, like oh, yeah. you look at how old the team was, but if you're looking at Nash, like, okay, well, his, his worst is, you know, the worst years of his career are behind him now. That makes it, it makes everything totally different. Like you look at a, a, a Michael Finley, you're like, ah, he's getting older. But if that's one aging player on your team, one aging all-star level player on your team, that's aging. It makes it softens the blow, or it softens like your look at it if you know that one of the other aging star is going to get better. <laughs> you yeah, know what I mean, like, and you know something that, but they didn't know that obviously at the time. And a lot of people, when we talk about this whole Nash thing, a lot of people like to bring out: Would Dirk have been Dirk if Nash stayed? Like, would have, would Dirk have turned into Dirk if Nash stayed? No. Would he have had every single stat that he has now, scoring-wise and everything, if Nash stayed? No. But could it have been more playoff success? I think so. And I think if you ask Dirk if he would sacrifice some individual accolades um, for more playoff success and more shots at a title, I think he would give it up in a heartbeat. Oh, for sure. That's. I don't me- think it... I think he mentioned that in that Grantland video with, uh, with Nash and Dirk. I don't think he, like... He's just a role player. Like some people really want to build it up and be like, oh, Dirk doesn't get anything if Nash still stays. Like they just cancel each other out. I'm like, no, Dirk is still going to be amazing. Dirk. I mean, look what um, look what Nash made Amari Stoudemire into. Yeah, and like yeah. it would have them together. Like I firmly disagree with any of those notions that all oh, Dirk wouldn't have turned into the killer that Dirk is if Nash was still there. Would it? Yes, would have taken away some of his stats for sure. But I think that duo could have been, like, I mean, beyond special. And Dirk's ability to pick and pop with Nash and space the floor. And, you know, if, we just don't know who they would who they would surround them with to get other players. You know, would they have been able to get a Tyson Chandler type, a down low? Would they have, if Nelly stayed, would they have found a Sean Marion type sooner, you know, to play alongside Dirk and yeah. push Dirk to the five, you know, a lot quicker in his career and played this, you know, kind of similar ball that he played in Phoenix, except, you know, two different animals, Dirk and Amari and two different, you know, pros and cons of each, but like pushing Dirk to center, like they pushed Amari to center in Phoenix and getting surrounding them. If they made moves and surround them with athletes and, you know, be, you know, more wing defenders and stuff to make up for the lack of defense. Like you don't, we can't, we can't speculate on what trades they would have made, but I'm, I'm confident in my opinion that, the Nash Dirk duo would have would have been remembered like Malone and Stockton for the rest of NBA history, and I think they could have they could have got another Finals run out of that probably. And I don't know, it's 
it's fun to look back on, but it's not because you wish I wish this is the the biggest one of our what if series that I'm like, dang man, like Giannis thing's one thing, but like this one is <laughs> this one was could have happened, like very likely could have happened, and it's frustrating. It's wild to think about. Uh, at least the Mavericks went to the title. They won a title. You know, at least there was that. You know, if if uh, our scenario that we talked about, what if they didn't win the title and, you know, they still had Steve Nash? Like that's that's a different thing. You know, but at least the early, if they had, if they didn't keep Steve Nash and they didn't win a title, the franchise would be looked at so much. It would be so yeah. different. <laughs> For sure. So many hypotheticals. I'm getting my words confused. <laughs> trying to figure out what scenario i'm talking about in my head <laughs> man and do they get keith van horn that's all i care about keith van horn uh dj mbanga <laughs> oh man legend so it's interesting let us know tweet us at nick van exit at isaac harris nba or at isaac l harris and gosh uh, get it right nick thanks I, uh, did special, thanks, <laughs> special thanks to jeff skinway yeah uh, for, shout out uh throwing at us some different plugs on about it and there's you know we obviously we talk to different people and we read different reports and stuff back then and we know stuff on our own because we were obviously alive back then but it's cool to get um for some of these older uh situations cool to get some other perspectives some other opinions and uh skin's awesome so he loved talking about that stuff i think we we, we both didn't live in dallas at this time right like no. the 2004 and no. no so we, like having a guy Kentucky. like like jeff who was in there and never forget Jeff Skin Wade single handedly turned around Steve Nash's career. I'm gonna text him after this and be like, all right, we turned the podcast into you turned around Nash's career. One with hug. The hug with the hug and the bar in Greenville. <laughs> one hug, one bar changed the course of an MVP forever. <laughs> all right, guys, we're gonna continue with this. Have a great weekend, but we'll continue with the what if series. What are we doing next? Uh oh baby on Monday the big one see Giannis what if the Mavericks had drafted Giannis under the Kupo this is already depressing <laughs> <laughs> and then on Wednesday next week we'll hit what if they won in 2006 and then probably Thursday and Friday of that week we'll hit up the mailbag a whole bunch of stuff to get to there's a lot of really good ones um so I'm excited to research those and to get hit those rapid fires. Definitely two podcasts worth. <laughs> yeah, of uh, out of that. So thanks for reaching out. People have reached out and yes. showed love for this series already, and we're only a couple in. Shout out to you guys for tweeting us, DMing us, reaching out. However you have reached out, y'all are awesome. Also, I wanted to mention this. I've been kind of experimenting with this. Um, I started a live stream on Twitch where I'm just kind of doing a live podcast with a bunch of interaction, different things. I have a you know a browser up next to me. I have Twitter open sometimes. We did some Reddit posts. We talked about articles. Like I'll just go through an article, read an article. We can discuss it. And I'm trying to do that every single every single weekday, probably maybe on weekends too, at uh, 11 p.m. Central Time. And so I'm trying to get on that. So follow me, Nick Van Exit on Twitch. Uh, and check that out. Eventually, I'll figure out a way to uh, to get more interaction. Maybe I'll do like a voice a voicemail thing where people can leave like voice messages, and you can play it on there. There's just a lot of different opportunities with that, and I'm excited for it. So uh, check that out if you guys are interested in that. And you can it's find pretty, it on my it's YouTube pretty channel. fun. You can find me in the chat. I'll I join the <laughs> chat and chime in and comment on different things Nick does. 
yeah so just trying that out so let me know what you think about it and uh check it out every once in a while if you find it live or if you find it afterwards on youtube so wanted to plug that and uh guys thanks so much for listening to lockdown maps peace out boom <laughs>